Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Krenitsya, The Well, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainians and topics of interest to Ukrainians around the globe. Today is Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. Our guests for today's episode are Peter Soluka and Len Liggins, who are the co-founders of a Ukrainian folk punk rock group from the UK by the name of the Ukrainians. Welcome, Peter and Len. How are you? Hi, good. I'm fine, good. Yeah, it's good to be here with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. So I'm fascinated by your group. We were all chatting a little bit before this interview, and I mentioned to you that I picked up the first copy of your first album early in the 1990s in the UK. And I used to play it constantly for my kids when they were little. So they've been well indoctrinated into the Ukrainians' music. I just find it fascinating what you have done with Ukrainian folk music, taking it and, you know, modernizing it and making it accessible to another generation. Because very often with Ukrainian folk music, and I'm not trying to be critical of Ukrainian folk music, I've listened to a lot of it. Sometimes it can be a little distant from all of us here in the 21st century. So I think what you've done is taken it and really brought it up to date. Peter, let's start with you. Obviously, you have a Ukrainian name. You were born in the UK. And what about your parents? Where did they come from? My father was from... um... Western Ukraine, near a little village called uh, Havrilyak, near Kolomia. Uh, my mother's from Serbia. But they came to Britain in the um, late 40s, early 50s, and settled here in the Western I was born in the country, but my parents were obviously from the east. My um, father was very keen in his Ukrainian culture, as many people are, and there was a small Ukrainian community in the mill town in the north of England where I grew up and on Saturday mornings that's where you went, that's where you took your kids and we had a little bit of folk dancing, a little bit of language, a little bit of music, a lot lot of eating and that was my experience of Ukrainian culture but only for about four or five years and that was enough to leave a strong impression, I never learned to speak very well, didn't even learn to dance very well but the music stayed, the songs that I heard and it wasn't so much later in life when um, I've been performing in, in other music groups, more traditional Western type groups, independent guitar music in the north of England. But the musical roots that I had as a child seemed to want to come out, they seemed to need to be expressed, and they seemed to fit in very well with the music that I was involved in in the mid to late 80s. And so the sound of the Ukrainian came as a combination from my roots as a child and the independent music that, that I've been involved in in Britain. Len, I understand that. Well, we were chatting a little bit before, again, before the interview, and it seems uh, you have some roots in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Yeah, um, I didn't find this out until my 60th, not long after my 60th birthday. My wife, Rebecca, insisted on getting me a DNA test kit because she had always been convinced that uh, I had some kind of Slavic DNA. This being because I've always been a Slavophile, you know, I've always uh, been interested in the cultures and music, films, you know, languages of, uh, from Eastern Europe. So by this time, I'd already been in the Ukrainians for 
well, nigh on 30 years, probably. And I'd always felt a little bit of an imposter. And so when Rebecca got the test and I undertook the test and the results came back, it showed that the, um, the, the male line going through from my father to my grandfather uh, so many generations back, whatever, the Y chromosome line, as you say, was um, predominantly Eastern European and specifically Southern Slavic. So the marker gene that I have is found mostly in Bosnia-Herzegovina, but 22% of Ukrainians have exactly that same marker gene too. So when I found that out, that was a pure validation to me, and it, and it, 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 it gave some kind of reason and explanation to me in my own head of why I had this un, you know, previously inexplicable attraction to the music and culture of, uh, of Eastern Europe. It's quite, it's quite amazing. When, um, when I first met Len, I was, on, I was on a path of discovering, of rediscovering part of my musical roots. I was, I was getting music records and sheet music and learning songs. When I met Len, Len was doing exactly the same. But he didn't have the Ukrainian background with me. He was doing Eastern European stuff. And we met together and he brought, he'd bring his fiddle around to our house. And I'd have me a card and my guitar. And for some reason, the most natural thing on the earth to do would be to play Ukrainian folk song. Yeah. Ukrainian, yeah. but it just worked, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, it did. And it, and it was kind of bizarre when, when people in other bands around, obviously, you know, were playing guitar, singing in English. And yet... It didn't seem like an unusual thing to do. It seemed like a natural thing to do, as you say. It's natural, yeah, completely natural. Yeah, and and yes, and certainly. I mean, I I already had some some records and recordings that were that were from various parts of Eastern Europe. So not Ukrainian ones actually at that time, but. Um, well, mine weren't. So mine weren't Ukrainian exclusive. Now I understand both of you were involved in a group before the Ukrainians, a group called the Wedding Present. Peter was involved in the wedding present before the Ukrainians. I, I wasn't. My only involvement with the wedding present was for a pre-Ukrainians project that was uh, some sessions for the John Peel program uh, on BBC Radio 1 that were of Ukrainian folk tunes, and I joined Peter in the wedding present for that. Folk tunes were ones that um, I was rediscovering and, wor and working on in my, in my late 20s, and... They were played in the style of the wedding present, which was quite fast and quite funky and quite furious. And I think that's the first time those styles were put together. But they're technically under the name of the wedding present. But it was only a few, maybe a year or so after that, that we broke away and became Ukrainians and carried out the musical plan. Yeah, and I understand the Ukrainians was formed in 1991? Yeah. Yes, that's right, yeah. Although a lot of the music that came on the first record that you, you've shown us there, was actually uh, recorded in, in 89 and 91. You could say the Ukrainians have been around, although we released that record in 91. Probably. I see more than 30 years later. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, yeah, like you say, the first album was, was released in 91. Our first gigs were in October 91. But we had previously worked together on the radio sessions for the Wedding Present Ukrainian record. And those sessions we recorded in 86, 87, and 88, I think. Something like that, so... Going back yeah. a long way here, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, 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 yeah. So what was the reception like in the UK to this kind of crazy music that you were starting to play? 
Among the independent uh, DJs, particularly John Peel is the, is the main one, but not the only one, uh, he was always a very accepting DJ of anything new. And I think he saw in what we did that we were doing something new, something unique, nobody's done it before. It went Eastern European roots with um, independent North of England grungy guitar music. It was something new. And we got a lot of coverage from it and a lot of acceptance from, um, from young music fans, really, mainly because of the coverage. Uh, among Ukrainian communities as well, but the main the, the main response was not among Ukrainian communities; it was from people outside of that. Yeah, yeah, they said they seemed to like the uh, the kind of punky guitar-y thing, didn't they? With uh, with with all these frantic tunes over the top, and of course, there, you know, the, with the Ukrainian folk tunes being so strong and having tested, you know, pu- uh, the stood the test of time. You speed them up and you and you play them in a kind of punky style. Uh, they're going to be, you know, very good to dance to and listen to. And so uh, it just seemed to catch the imagination of the, especially of the John Peel audience, didn't it, on the radio? And mm-hmm. because John Peel was the kind of arbiter in the UK of you know what was cool and so on, then. Um, then we had his endorsement, we had his support, he played the music a lot. And so we found ourselves in a situation where lots of people from all sorts of areas, and as Pete says, not uh, not predominantly the Ukrainian community, just really seemed to love it. In fact, there were some areas of the Ukrainian community who didn't like it, but we'd gone too far from tradition. And That's true, yeah. It's yeah. interesting, really. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's... It's not music that we're aiming to appeal to anybody. It was just our music that you And if music isn't an expression of who you are, then what is it? It's a recreation. You definitely put a whole new spin on Ukrainian folk, that's for sure. Yeah. I know it's quite interesting because um, I look back at some of the musical styles that exist in Ukraine now and, and among the diaspora communities too. Uh, obviously, the... It, it, you always like to think there's a few elements of, of, of what, what we did that are in there. But there, there wasn't anybody doing what we did at the time. It's definitely true that, that, was, that we were the first group to have melded those styles, the, the West and the East, so strongly. Um, it's just nice to have that uh, sort of like, like memory that you were the first ones to do. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a... Lots of people do first. It's just... An acknowledgement that we were there and we were doing what we were at that time without recreating, without making And from your albums, I know that it wasn't just taking Ukrainian folk and and bringing it up to date. You were actually writing original songs too. Yes. The majority of what we did is original songs. In fact, there's only been there's one album of cover songs, but usually it's, it's our own compositions. Yeah. Definitely the case. Yeah, we did that right from the beginning, from the first album. Very briefly, yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting that some of our some of our songs have been um, played in such a way that people actually think they are traditional songs, even though they're ours. And you see, you see songs listed as, um, for instance, our song we call it "Cherez Vichku Cherez Hai." You see it listed in, in some places of "Tavai Te Kozake," the first line of it, and it says "Tavai Te Kozake Sad," but of course it's not. We wrote it about thirty years ago. It's becoming part of that collective of units of songs that we call folk music. And I, I, I've been covered, that, that some some of those songs have been covered, and especially Chorus Richie and Chorus High that you mentioned. Mm. Uh, it's been covered quite a lot over there by different uh, 
artists and you know we've we've heard of cases where they the song has been incorporated in the repertoire of school choirs death metal bands you know the whole <laughs> spectrum of, uh, of, of 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 music over in ukraine you know the, the, this this song and one or two others have um, just seem to be really accepted like... as traditional songs they don't know that we originally wrote them but that's that's nice i, I, that's I love nice. that idea then yeah of nursery school death metal choirs. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did mean to say school choirs and death metal groups. No, 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 I think, believe no, it. No, but, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that's something that probably hasn't been done before that we could start off, Peter. <laughs> that's our next project. Yeah, nursery school death metal choirs. There's a future in it, I can see it. And I know that you've travelled quite a bit, uh, a lot in Poland course throughout the UK but you did play in Ukraine at one point also didn't you? We did a tour of Ukraine in 93 um, about six dates I think it was with Vava, Alex Kutka, his team then. That was, that was a long time ago. Very interesting though. Changing times in Ukraine when we played there. Yeah because the main gig we played was in uh, Independence Square in, uh, in Kiev and that was to celebrate the second anniversary of independence from the Soviet Union. But we also played in Kharkiv, didn't we, and in uh, Lviv. Yeah, that's also weird places. All sorts of places. We played on a cruise ship. The, the, and, uh, we have been back a few times as well, not to do such a big tour, but we've been back to play odd dates. And we... Yeah, a couple of festivals near Lviv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you go from here? We're starting to run out of time, unfortunately. I know next year is going to be, I guess, technically your 30th anniversary as a group. Indeed. It is, yeah. Well, we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll do as many shows as we can, as we can fit into our schedule, as well, and uh, to celebrate that effect, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and we'll... Uh, uh, and music. Yeah, we might have put some compilations together, we're not sure about that, but we'll definitely be doing that. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have something out to um, to celebrate to mark the thirtieth anniversary. Is it is it seven studio albums have done now, or eight? It depends. It gets quite complicated now because um, <laughs> because it's difficult to know whether some releases are actually studio albums in their own right. Because what I'm going to say is we've done a brand new album about every three or four years, haven't we? Haven't we? Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't so, think we'll do a yeah. brand new one for next year, so it'll probably be, it'll probably be a, a compilation or greatest hits thing that will come out because we've done quite a lot of tracks now. We've probably got about 120 of our own original compositions. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a collection. It'll be a collection of um, of the best that we've done, I think, so far. That sounds you good. I, I, we all look forward to hearing that. Yeah. Well, we look forward to playing it to you, Mike. So, you know, the, this podcast is going to spread the word and the, and then and then if we can get over to the states and to canada next year that would be wonderful so if there are promoters listening that are interested in pulling us on then we'll be there and incidentally speaking of promoters you have a really good website and can you give the url for that in case anyone in the audience wants to find out more about you guys www.the-ukrainians not underscore the dash ukrainians.com. Great. I have been speaking with Peter Soloko and Len Liggins, the co founders of the British folk punk rock group, the Ukrainians. Thank you for talking with us today.
Thank you for having us. And this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Knenitsia, The Well, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainians and topics of interest to Ukrainians around the globe. Until next time, that's all for now.